Welcome. Welcome to the other side of midnight, where revelations never cease. We've got an amazing show lined up for you tonight, and I'm very excited to be bringing on our amazing guests. First off, I want to let you know how disappointed Richard is that his internet is down again, and he felt the show was too important not to go on, and as we have a host of great guests tonight. I'd like to direct you to how to see the images for tonight. You go to the other side of midnight. If you're listening to the live show, you're going to look for the uh, banner that says EM Team, Meanwhile, Back on Mars. It's in the nav bar, and if you're listening at a later date, go to the show catalog and look for EM Team, Meanwhile, Back on Mars. There you will see the fast links, which will allow you to navigate the page to guest items and to bios. As a species, we have always been curious about our origins and if we are alone in a huge, expansive universe. In 1965, Richard had his first baptism of fire. He was scheduled for a half-hour radio show on TIC to track the first live flyby of Mars. The producers extended it, guess what, to six hours because of Richard's moment-by-moment amazing account of history unfolding. Hoagland can now prove And he will do so in the future that the first Mariner 4 mission was, in fact, rigged by NASA to prevent us from seeing the real Mars. And the cover-up goes back, way, way back to the beginning of the space program. Why do we tonight have an official panel looking at artifacts? Artifacts on Mars in NASA headquarters because of all these people you're going to hear from tonight, citizen scientists and researchers applying their skills to uncover the hidden story being denied us by NASA. Congress set up a set of laws directing NASA and the DOD to expand their investigation from UFO slash UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, NASA set up a panel to ask, what shall we do? And the panel recommended to Senator Bill Nelson, the administrator, you need to also set up an office looking for techno-signatures in this solar system because it is now scientifically plausible that there could actually be other life on other planets in this system. Now, there is no greater technosignature than the face on Mars. The fact of the matter is, looking for ruins is scientific, not crazy. And who set up the procedures decades ago? We did. Even Abby Loeb has globbed on to the idea that there are extraterrestrial civilizations, but they are even sending us messengers like Oumuamua and the meteor that entered the atmosphere in Indonesia in 2014, which he organized an expedition to investigate and brought up particles that Brandenburg says, A, are artificial and B, part of the sophisticated nuclear technology. None of this would have been happening for for what we started. The journey began for me personally around 1982. All those decades ago, Richard and I sat in his little cottage, poring over the Viking photos we had received from De Pietro Molinar, Something resonated that captured Richard's attention and mine. We pondered, well, what would the face look like if we were standing in the center of the Sidonian Pyramid Complex? 
my curiosity was so high that it drove me to create the first ever Mars face sculpture. An amazing piece of art, really. The first ever analog model here on Earth of a mile and a half face sitting on another planet that should not be there. That's us. Where we should not be. As the enthusiasm was building, we brought citizen scientists and researchers into the fold. One of them was Dr. Mark Collado. He put the face through rigorous computer algorithms designed to detect artificial structures in the terrain for the military. His work verified my modeling of the face. The model was later featured on Richard's first edition of Monuments to Mars. That cover did so much to pull in worldwide audience. Many messages came from people saying that it was like remembering being there and that the haunting image and the evocative book launched the first Mars investigation and laid the foundation for all the future world attention, which included several missions where NASA tried to lie in devious ways like the famous cat box, the happy face, and so on and so on to discredit the idea of life on Mars. And they've been doing it ever since. So we waited, and we waited with bated breath for a better glimpse of the so-called face on Mars. Hoagland and our team rallied the public to storm NASA with a blitzkrieg of faxes. After relentless public outrage, NASA deemed to send us another image. Finally, the Mars Global Surveyor gave us the long-awaited image of the face. They had distorted it by taking out all contrast as to be unrecognizable. Listeners called in saying they thought it had been bombed. Our team, the Enterprise Mission Imaging Team, set about analyzing the raw data to reveal the true features hidden in the unprocessed NASA-released file. Unable to ignore public outcry, NASA then gave us the first image from the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, the MRO. And it definitely was a better image and gave us a clearer look at the face, which only became more enigmatic. This was heartening. Now, after 16 years, NASA has deemed to release another MRO of the face on Mars. What gives? Really, what gives? If you look at Richard's first item, you'll see the new MRO of the face confirming our early hypothesis. Keith Laney's stunning gigapan. You can zoom in and zoom in and zoom in, and you will see the architecture of cells of rooms in the headquarters. George J. Haas is a founder and premier investigator of the Mars Research Group known as the Cydonia Institute and is a member of the Society for Planetary SETI Research. His research encompasses over 30 years of study and analysis of NASA and ESA photographs of Mars. Welcome to the other side of midnight, George. Great to have you here. Great to talk to you, Cynthia. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Folks, I, I remind you again, you can click on George in the items, fast links to items, George, and that will take you to his items on our show tonight called EM Team, Meanwhile, Back at Mars. So, George, would you like to uh, walk us through, share what you are feeling about what's going on in, in the current temperature of Mars? Yeah, well, it's um, pretty exciting to have a brand new uh, MRO high-rise image of the uh, complete face on Mars. Uh, I think this new image is great. It's a little more superior to the, the last uh, 
image that we had in 2007. I think this image is sharper. As you can see, when it's been processed, that everything is a lot sharper. And what I like about this new image, I can actually verify what I saw in the 2007 image. So now I have uh, uh, data that uh, supports what I was doing for the first image, uh, which actually, you know, was all a process coming out of all the way back to the Viking, and then we had those uh, Mars Global Surveyor images, and then, um, you know, NASA's taken over close to 30 pictures of the face on Mars, including right. everything. You know, this is supposedly a structure that they had no interest in, but they certainly take a lot of pictures of it. And the odd thing about this new image, there was no media um, invited. There was nobody, there was no announcement went out. If you do a Google search, uh, you, it's not even in existence. You can't even find this image. The only thing that will come up is that silly bear face in a crater, you know, face on Mars. That, that'll come up. But this new image, I mean, there's no interest in this. Why do you think, why do you think they haven't made this public? I um, I'm, I guess they're all surprised that uh, Gary Legere actually found this image when he was, you know, scrolling <laughs> through the, the archives. And, uh, you know, he just about fell off his chair when he when he found this. Uh, actually, I was on his show last night talking about this. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he notified me that this was out there. I was like shocked. I was like, wow. where'd this come from? I figured they took the 2007 image. Everybody wanted a high rise image. They did it. And, you know, we're done. We're moving on. But uh, somebody's still interested, and uh, I'm just pleased that we have this because it supports uh, everything that I've uh, been doing all these years uh, right. studying this formation. Right. I think I think I I am also really grateful it does support our previous hypothesis. But I also think that NASA doesn't want to get caught with their pants down. In other words. Later on, they can say, "Well, we we posted the image, we gave it to you, <laughs> even though they haven't." You know what I'm saying? Like, well, it's but I, there. I think back in the '90s, back in the '90s, they were actually forced by Congress to take images because of public mm-hmm. demand, and right. uh, NASA was supposed to notify the public every time they took a picture. That public demand that was, was the fax campaign that Richard initiated right. he had them fax you know they 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 didn't know what to do there was paper all over their floors everywhere fax machines were going crazy i think they are just hoping that not to wake the sleeping giant again because right like you say this face is much more detailed yeah it's a lot sharper i think mm-hmm. and you know when the public hears about a face on mars uh, their their first vision of what it should look like is like a, a human face, uh, maybe mm. Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley. That's uh-huh. what they think it look like. But as you know, the face on Mars is not a uh, symmetrical face. It's a bifurcated, you know, two-faced structure. It's like a mask. It's got a humanoid on one side and a feline on the other. Early on, when I initially made contact with Richard Hoagland, I had sent him a bunch of pictures of all this Mesoamerican uh, two-faced mm-hmm. mask. Now, if the if the viewers out there are able to access the, the the website here with all of my collection of pictures, if they go to image number seven, uh, it gives a great example of three examples of Mesoamerican two-faced masks. Where you oh, have yes. A line and a human. Um, three perfect examples. This is basically what we're seeing on Mars. Um, all of this stuff, beginning with the face on Mars, all has a direct correlation with the cultures of Mesoamerica, including the Aztec, Maya all the way back to the Olmec. Mm-hmm. And the face on Mars is just filled with iconography and motifs that are related to that. So if, if you want to just start and dive right into this, the, the viewers can click on image number one, mm-hmm. which is the split of the face on Mars. This is the humanoid side, the Western right. side. I'm curious, as you mentioned in the Mesoamerican art, you have the two-faced uh, art. And I'm wondering, do you think it implies... Is it metaphoric in terms of our instinctual natures, or is it also a hint about DNA, a merging of DNA? Well, um, I'm glad you brought that up, because it all has to do with basically duality. And uh, starting with the Olmec, they were just obsessed with this whole idea of uh, transformation, uh, human to feline. Uh, mm-hmm. You can look at the Olmec sculptures, and they have a lot of these transformational uh, figures where they're half human, half feline. So this whole feline and human uh, composite uh, was very popular in, in the Mesoamerican cultures. 
Uh, they also did masks, you know, like one side would be a, a dog and the other side would be an old man. A lot of life and death masks. So all this whole, du- this all has to do with duality and also transformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when Richard Hoagland realized that the face on Mars in the Viking images was actually bifurcated, it was two faces, not just a supposedly this uh, a Neanderthal-looking face that people were looking at. Um, when we got the 1998 image of the face on Mars, which was, you know, called the cat box at one time, uh, that had this, when, the, when we did the mirroring to see what this new image looked like for the humanoid and the feline side, the first thing that struck me was this tri-leafed symbol at the forehead. And mm-hmm. I can remember going through books, uh, going to the library using, I didn't have even a computer at the time, and I had to go to the library and uh, access the computers. And I couldn't find anything. And I was in Barnes & Noble, and there was a book by Linda Shelley about the Mesoamerican cultures. And in that book, if you look at this uh, mask on the right side with the tri-leaf symbol on the forehead. Which number? That, Which was, number? This is in slide number one. Okay. So if you look on the, if you hit the plus button there. And yeah, enlarges, it enlarges. There's a tri-leaf crown emblem. Now that tri-leaf symbol goes all the way back to the Olmec. That's a, that's a, a corn sprout. And that was a symbol of royalty that they'd wear on a headdress. Mm. And you have the same W shape on the face on Mars. That was the first thing that led us, uh, my co-author, William Saunders, when we were doing this work, to uh, look to Mesoamerican cultures. Now, the other thing about the face on Mars, it has this flanged headdress. And, you know, back in the day, a lot of people thought, oh, this is Egyptian. You know, right. flanged headdress. And then I find that uh, Mesoamerica... Uh, the Olmec, the Maya, the Aztec, they also did some of their um, kings or lords would be dressed with these flanged headdress. And there's a little example on the left. It's just very Egyptian. You would think this was an Egyptian head, but this is actually uh, <clears throat> something from the Aztec. The other interesting thing we noticed uh, when the original face was taken, people, uh, a lot of researchers were concerned that there was real no, real nose formation. Now, the reason for that is because, as we see in Mesoamerican cultures, they wear a lot of uh, facial ornaments, uh, cheek embedments and things mm-hmm. on their lips, nose. And basically what's covering up the nose on the face on Mars is this elaborate nose ornament. Ah. And I have an example next to that, which is just a little jade head showing this huge nose ornament that hangs from the nose and actually goes over the mouth. Mm. And there's mm-hmm. all kinds of examples of this. Right. And you know you were talking kind of about you were talking about Egypt. I always thought that that there is a connection between Egypt and Mesoamerica. I think there well, is. Um, there, there is. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, mythological uh, parallels and things like that. But um, as you know, it's kind of like the old game of telephone, where you know you start off with a, a little story, and as it goes around the room, it you know, changes at the end. And it's the same thing with a lot of this iconography. It's very similar in other countries and other cultures. But we're fi- what we're finding on the structures that we're seeing on Mars is that they're more related to Mesoamerican culture because I think that was the root. And all of this iconography kind of went from that culture out to the other side of the world. Ah. You know, culture evolved in, the, in Americas, in the New World, and then went over to the European countries. And we have evidence for that in Corral, Peru, uh, which was discovered back in the early 2000s. And um, it's and it dates back to the time of the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. This is a structure, a, a whole city in the New World that's that ancient. So it's pretty cool. The other thing I found, uh, Richard Hoagland had identified that little spot or that little boulder on the cheek as right. the uh, teardrop feature. Mm-hmm. Anyone familiar with the face on Mars can recognize this teardrop. Now, the teardrop, and I show this little mask here with little dots on the cheek. Again, another feature, a uh, facial ornament that's very common in Mesoamerica, this little dot on the cheek, or which Hoagland called the uh, teardrop. What do you think it represents? Um, well, the, the teardrop on these sculptures is um, it's normally associated with the moon, the moon goddess in, in uh-huh. American culture. So it's kind of odd to have that uh, feminine um, marker on the face. Mm-hmm. 
but we don't know if this is a representation of a female or a male. So right. Uh, but that cheek ornament would uh, lend the idea that possibly this is a feminine face that we're looking at. Mm, or maybe it's androgynous. Who knows? Yeah, really. Hey, well, that would go with the current cultures. <laughs> <laughs> now, w- one of the symbols that uh, I did not notice in all any of the earlier pictures until the 2007 uh, high-rise image was this feline mask in between the eyes. And I have that jaguar head mask up there. Yes, yes. And uh, th- this is amazing. There's just this little face of a jaguar. Uh, it's like a young jaguar right between mm-hmm. the eyes. So this is like a clue that this human-jaguar connection uh, right at the forehead. The other beautiful thing about this is, in, I think it was in 2001 or whatever, uh, NASA took this long strip that just captured the eye of the face on Mars. And it basically proved that this was a human almond-shaped eye. And this, this new image, of course, you know, lends more evidence to that. And the, the eye is just amazing. And it's a perfectly sculpted eye. It's something like you'd see on Mount Rushmore if you look closely at those huge eyes that they have. And um, th- this is anatomically correct as a human eye. It- it's just amazing. And so we have more and more evidence suggesting that this is an artificial structure. Definitely. I mean, you know, you look at the surrounding area and like, how could this mile and a half object be just randomly there with perfect parallel base i mean well yeah the, the whole foundation the platform that the face yeah. on mars is sitting on is very <laughs> symmetrical i mean just right. forget about the face you know just look right. at the uh, the platform that it's on uh would yeah. get your attention so that, right. that's like the first clue and then it goes from there um it's just amazing now if we move on to the uh feline side okay uh, that's number two the, number two the east if the listeners want to Go online here and click on number two in my um, section. Uh, it'll give you the Sidonia face, the feline side. And this is basically a lion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a mane. It's got a zigzag mane at the bottom. I've highlighted some areas with this yellow wash just to bring things out. Now, the interesting thing across the top, it seems to have this crown feature, like the jaguar with this little uh, two-poked crown there. Mm-hmm. That's actually... Um, Worn down deer antlers. Oh, like see, in now, the little the sculpture of, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see the little. That's an Olmec mask, and uh, he's got these little markings on his cheeks, and he's got uh, what. This is what archaeologists have des- decided that that's what this feature represents. These are worn down deer antlers. Now, back on the other side with the face on Mars, I don't think I sent any large images. Hold this. Can we go back to the other image? Me number one? Yeah, uh, the face on Mars. I'm, I'm a little out of uh, oh, my numbers mean, here. In your yeah, items number or one, Richard's if, items? Yeah. Yeah. If we go back to number one in my uh, section, uh, the face on Mars uh, that, that I have there, which has been duplicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to talk about the eye feature, and I do have slides there available. Uh, it reminded me when we were talking on the feline side about the, the deer antler crest. Okay. If, if the viewers go to number three in my section, it's the Sidonia face, a close-up of the eye. Okay. And again, I put a little color wash there to highlight the almond-shaped eye. You all see that? Yes. Right. Now, if we mm-hmm. click out of there and go to number four, amazingly, over the eye, the eyebrow is, is a deer head. Do you see the deer head? He's got a muzzle, there's an eye, and he's got an antler going up and an ear. Is that where you highlighted yellow? Yes. You see the deer over the eye in the eyebrow? Oh, it's sort eye. of like a profile of his head. Is that it's right? It's a profile that the deer is facing uh, left. Yes, I was looking yes. for it straight on, but got no, a little ear looking he's left. Got a, he's, got a, he's looking left, there's an eye, a, a thick muzzle. And it goes down to his chest, and then, of course, the eyes uh, where the body is of the deer. Mm-hmm. This is a deer serpent, very common in Mesoamerican cultures, in iconography and things like that, motifs. Uh, they feature this uh, serpent-like creature with a deer head and a horn. And normally it just has one horn. And uh, so we have this humanoid side with a reference to a deer. Now, the deer is a symbol of uh, keen eyesight. You know, deers have very good vision. And of course, right. you have a deer over the eye. That all makes sense. So, 
if if in fact these are references to deer and and these other creatures, well, as we'll, as we'll see, as we'll see here, how all this is all connected, right through so just, mythology. So, well, just what I want to say is, then what we're looking at is the potential um, records of animals that actually existed on Mars that were perhaps the forerunners of the animals here on Earth. Yeah, possibly. Um, the, the, I mean, because the, why would they be making a deer unless that's just the way the erosion happened on the eye? But you know, if they're right. if if it's referring to antlers, well, then it, my it theory is that, that my theory is that the same culture that built these things on Mars were also living on Earth. You know, right. I, I think but we built re- this, as Richard says, we right. were the Martians. Right. But yeah. if they built the Mars, the Martian structures are before the earth structures so that would imply that these creatures what are they oh you're saying that it went the other way around well uh mars has a very long history uh mars was uh of course uh we had the asteroid belt that possibly had damage then when whatever planet blew up around the asteroid belt between mars and jupiter mm-hmm. um and then somebody came to mars and set up civilization after mars was originally destroyed and that culture was destroyed. If you follow Dr. Brandenburg, mm-hmm. uh, there must have been some type of conflict because he found evidence of Xeon 129, uh, in, which NASA had known about since the early um, uh, Mariner uh, flights because they had some capabilities of picking up uh, uh, atmospheric readings and things like that. And they, that was the first time, I think, what Brandenburg talks about when NASA noticed that there was this... Uh, uh, nuclear signature there. So then again, we had another destruction of Mars. Uh, my belief is that a lot of these structures were built after that. I don't think anything on Mars is older than a million years. Yes, Some but the go uh, back to. okay, but the Mesoamerican uh, artifacts here on Earth aren't that old, so it would imply that. Oh no, but uh, th- of course. But so, whoever so, whoever was putting all this iconography together, all this symbolism, that that's all related. Right. So it implies it implies that those creatures existed on Mars before they existed here. Um, I, I wouldn't want to speculate on that. I just think the animals that they used is is, is all part of this mythology, and it. Right. I don't right. know if they originated on Mars or Earth first. You know, we do have the mythology of Noah's Ark. Uh, you know, there's revelation in the Bible, which talks about destruction. We talk about the, the great flood. Uh, possibly uh, Noah took all the animals from Mars and brought them to Earth. Maybe it's the other way around. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. <laughs> but well, we it certainly is curious because you have expanded the awareness of what animals, creatures were on Mars. I mean... We've talked about right. feline. Well, first of all, we got we got the feline, of course, and there's no there's no lions in uh, the New World. They're all in Africa. Right. But the, um, as we going back to what's the, the number of that slide? If we go back to um, slide two with the feline face, uh, it has a mane. Now in Mesoamerica, you know, there's no lions, of course, but um, if you follow the mythology history of Zachariah Sitchin with the Sumerians, you know, he believes that the black-headed people, which were the the Olmec, came to the New World. So they'd have memories of, of uh, lions. Hmm. And we're into this the break sculpture time. down here, this, they oh. called them bearded jaguars. Okay, so, uh, George, we're going to hold yeah. it there. Forgive me. Thank you, Keith. We're at the bottom of the hour, and we'll take this up on the other side. You're listening to The Other Side of Midnight, and we're speaking with George Haas. We shall return.
Welcome back to the other side of midnight. This is Kinthea standing in for Richard C. Hoagland. And our show tonight is called EM Team. Meanwhile, back on Mars. And we're reviewing the MRO uh, image that was just recently released with George Huss. And he's uh, going into the comparisons with uh, Mesoamerican art. And George, would you like to take up where you left off? Yeah, we were talking about the feline side and all the aspects of, uh, of Mesoamerican uh, motifs that are found within its design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about the um, the ground down deer horn on the top of the feline head, which acts as a crest or a crown. Um, the other interesting thing it has is this uh, zigzag-shaped mane, uh, which looks very much like a lion. But if we're talking about uh, Mesoamerican motifs, it would uh, be something they called a bearded jaguar. And this sculpture down at the uh, bottom on the uh, right is a frontal view of a... uh, This was found in Teotihuacan. This was found buried somewhere there. And this has a a mane. This is a jaguar with a mane, which jaguars Mm. don't have mane. So it's very interesting. And now, also, the Maya like to do composite art and uh, contour rivalry, where one image looks like something else, and you use a snake for, you know, hair or something like that. You find a lot of that in Peru and things like that. Uh, you don't see a lot of that in um, uh, the European countries. Mm-hmm. Now, Possibly the influence of ayahuasca or such right. substances. Now, or or a higher knowledge of uh, art design, which uh, mm-hmm, you know, that's what mm-hmm. this culture was doing. Uh, very very technical. Now, mm-hmm. um, hidden within this beard is a um, the feline has a flailing tongue. Its tongue sticking out. Now, if you saw a few of those masks of the two face mask, the one on the left of the human feline, the the feline always has the, the jaguar has the tongue sticking out. That again is a bloodletting thing. Uh, in Mesoamerica, the lords would uh, take a uh, stingray spine and pierce it through their tongue and bleed onto papers, these sacred papers that were on the in a bowl, and then they'd burn them, and the smoke Ooh. would, you know, reveal the, the, the great serpent and things like that. So this whole idea you talked about earlier about DNA, um, the flailing tongue all has to do with DNA, uh, with the, you know, the bloodletting. And a lot of the imagery in Mesoamerica uh, they had these bejeweled tongues. Uh, you know the famous Aztec calendar stone, the big circle stone? Uh-huh. Uh, there's a face in the center, and he's got his tongue sticking out, and his tongue is actually a jaguar paw, is his tongue. So a lot of this superimposing other images on in their sculptures were very common. So here we have a jaguar with a beard, and his tongue sticks out, and the tongue actually is the head of an owl. Now, if the viewers go down to slide... What is it? Number five. We have a highlighted area of the the tongue and the the wings, the open wing um, owl. You all mm-hmm. see that? 
and you can see the head is very decorative, it's like a bejeweled sculpture. It's it's pretty ornate, and it has little horns. It's it's a horny owl, and he's got his wings open. Um, so this is actually another connection that we're going to see a little later when we look at some of the uh, mm-hmm. codexes, how the, uh, the jaguars and the owls, they're part of the underworld. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so if we go back to, uh, I'm listening. Well, one thing I think that some people would be asking when they look at this is we're, we're seeing all these similarities, but are they really, were they actually sculpted or has a surface of the Mars face broken off like the exterior of the pyramids where the outer stones were falling. Are we looking actually at sculpted art or are we looking at erosion in patterns? I think people would be asking that. What would you, how would you answer that? Well, I, I think that's a, a valid question. I think the average person would say, oh, this is just, uh, you know, erosion has done that and it kind of looks like, you know, you see a an airplane in the sky and it looks like a cloud looks like an airplane or whatever, or the cloud looks like a boat. You know, it's this, uh, you know, just false images. Uh, my argument would be that as we see in the face on Mars and the humanoid side and the feline side, if nature on Mars, geology, had created all of these figures accidentally, I don't understand how they could be so intertwined in Mesoamerican mythology. Mm. This all mm-hmm. makes sense. This isn't just random. It's like going in your backyard uh, after a rain and all the mud turns into the entire cast of The Simpsons. <laughs> you know what I mean? That right. that would not be natural. You'd have to scratch your head and say somebody came out here and drew these. These these didn't happen by chance because mm-hmm. it's all every character on the Simpsons is in my backyard now. So That's it's the plurifor- mm-hmm. so it's the proliferation of all these characters that makes it more oh, convincing. That's what convinces me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and if you if you go back to the slide that shows the uh slide 2 uh, I, where we have the, the full feline face. I have an image of a Teotihuacan, uh, the owl with the open wings. It's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Yes. Just a second. Now, the other Please. thing, uh, the muzzle of the feline, if we move up to where the eagle glyph is on the right side. Oh, George, can you? A, I'm sorry, George. I, I yeah. am sorry to interrupt you. Ron, was that you? Did you have a comment? Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to add a question in there. I was waiting for. Hi, George. Uh, the uh, hi. Did you did you just say that uh, we wouldn't have uh, all of those animal uh, analogs to people activities here on Earth, except for uh, were it not for the ones on Mars, which we don't. No, I did. I did not intend well, to say that. that. No, it can't. It, okay. Well, no, we were mean? talking about where these animals originated. Were they originally on Mars or were they originally on Earth? Oh, I uh, that that here, we would but, have okay. to speculate about. That, but okay, I wouldn't go be on. surprised if they to... all were originally on Mars and came here. Okay, all right. So that's cleared up. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Ron. Go ahead, George. I apologize for interrupting. That's you. okay. I, I'm. I love questions. Uh, if we stay <laughs> on the page with the um, the feline. Uh, if we mm-hmm. go to the muzzle, the very broad, you know, feline muzzle with his nose there, and there's that horny owl tongue. Yeah. Uh, the muzzle has uh, the frontal view of an eagle. You can see the beak if you do a, uh, you hit it on the plus there and really zoom in on it. It has a crested head shape, and you can see the two eyes of the eagle and the beak. Now below it's interesting. that, I... wait, 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 before you move on. I have to say that when I was sculpting the face, I kept getting this feeling of an eagle, just exactly what you're saying. Like, it was so strong, you know, I knew, I I had a strong sense of the feline, but what kept surprising me was this feeling or sense of the, the image, the shapes kept bringing to mind an eagle. So I'm happy to hear you bring that up. Well, I, 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 Never saw this until the 2007 image when we had the high rise image, and then I, uh-huh. I all of these um, this all these motifs that I'm finding within the feline and the humanoid side, I also rec- originally recognized in the 2007 image. So this new image has actually verified all those for me because they're here now and they're even clearer than they were in the the older image. Mm-hmm. Now, right below that eagle head, which is a frontal view with the beak and the two 
you know, very stern eyes. He's really looking at you. Uh, yeah. I didn't highlight it in this one, but there's a circular head of a, of a, um, a, a feline. There's another jaguar with his mouth open. He's got two eyes and nose, and he's wearing a crown. Where's that? His mouth on... wide open. It's right. Is... You see where the end of the beak is for the yes. the, uh, the eagle? Right below the beak is a crown, and then there's a round face of a feline. He's got two mm. dotted eyes, a nose, and his mouth is wide open. Oh, I see what you're suggesting. You see the jaguar uh-huh. under there? Yeah. If I highlighted it, you could see, but I didn't. I didn't do it for this this image. But so you have the uh, jaguar, and then you have this another coupling of the eagle uh. and the jaguar, and you'll see down below uh, why that's so important. If everybody okay, yeah, out of that and goes down to image number. Wait, um, wait. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you before you move on. I'd like to bring Holzer on for his comment about the sure. Mayan connection, because he just sure. put a message here in the chat. Hold, Holger? Uh, sure, I'm also here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You just put a message. Would you like to say that on air? Yeah, I, uh, that I found interesting. Uh, hello, George. Uh, ah, uh, hi. You, you talk about uh, uh, the Mayan connection, and uh, because I'm I'm more interested into the geometry of the face on Mars, the location which I have in my items, but uh, one of those aspects is is indeed connected to the Mayan topic you brought in. <laughs> that is interesting. There we go. <laughs> and, well, uh, of course, because you know, that one, makes perfect sense. Because on one hand, yeah. you have all these pictographic images that connect to Mesoamerica. Now you're talking about geometry and, and alignments that are uh, focusing more on that culture. So it's just it's more layering of, of all of uh, this data that we're finding. Yeah, for example, uh, you most likely you have heard about the Mayan head of government in Palenque, the, the local city-state of Palenque in, ancient, in the ancient yeah, Mayan Palenque, civilization. Yeah. It's in the uh, most southern part of today's Mexico and at the northwestern corner of Guatemala in Mexico. And uh, the local. Yeah, yeah, it's in the southern part of, or middle southern part of Yucatan Peninsula. And uh, the local head of government there of that state, uh, Pakal, he. uh, or his, his funeral mask and jewelry in, in Green Jada that can be seen in the Mexico City Museum today. And, uh, well, this, this, whole, this whole feline mask is, uh, the, the, if, I guess we can zoom over to that now. If you click out of this and go down to, I'm glad you mentioned these masks. Yeah, the uh, mask, that is the most famous right. part of his Right, if mask, you go down yeah. to, to my slide number 12, Twelve. Okay. Let's all go to number twelve now. <laughs> number twelve. <laughs> shows examples of these components. Oh yeah. Like puzzled uh, jade mask. You have a uh, the bat god is on the left, and this is a uh, a jaguar on the right with his tongue flailing out. It's very abstracted, but you can see all the little pieces that they put together to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think once we have a color picture of the face on Mars, uh, the humanoid side is probably going to be either silver or gold with colored metals. And the feline side is probably going to be this compartmentalized type of jade mass that we see here. And what I've done here is I just colorized some of the different shapes. Uh, you can see that the feline side is like a big puzzle that was put together. It has all these cracks and lines and things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what caught my eye originally, that this looks very much like a, a Mesoamerican jade mask that the Halter's uh, discussing here, talking about. And Palenque, mm-hmm. we all know, uh, is the home of the... Um, uh, the lid of Pakal, you know, which shows, some people think, uh, shows the uh, Lord Pakal uh, flying in a, a spaceship that's on the lid of his uh, sarcophagus. So that's the same area. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting in this. I just want to point out that in this version number 12, it's easier to make out the the a different... Um, <laughs> the different characters, like the the one the that comes down from the beak, they they with the the owl, the owl right. and the other face, they're more um, visible here. It's easier to see them in this yeah, version. Yeah, when you add the false color or color wash to these things, it it seems to bring a lot of that stuff out. Pop them out. Mm-hmm. Go it's ahead, that, Holger. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That feline side. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, about Did the Holger mask. Have anything else to comment about? Yeah, about the jade mask, uh, the the mask of the Pakal, which is visible in the museum. Or you can also find it on Wikipedia if you search for Pakal there in uh, the first You're image. You're talking I guess, about his jade mask. Yeah, but the, uh, next to the mask, uh, there's also other jewel, and uh, he's holding in his hand two interesting objects. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, in because it, uh, I was. Because I was, of course, aware about the famous uh, lid, which is right. maybe showing uh, something technological. That is uh, the most often cited uh, topic. Well, what he's, what he's holding in his hand, uh, when they opened up the lid and they found his skeleton in there, uh, he had yeah. jewelry and all kinds of things. And in his um, left hand, he had a cube. And in his right hand, he had a, a, had a sphere, a circle which is duality. You have the, the square and the circle, which goes back to the, you know, like Freemasons, you have the compass and the square, the square mm. and the compasses. The square makes a square box. When you found a cube in uh, Pakal's hand, his other hand had a sphere, which is a circle, and of course the compasses make a circle. Again, you have the duality. It is, and that uh, I was completely surprised when seeing that, because I... Uh, I've heard so read so much about in the ancient uh, aliens uh, topic uh, realm, but never heard about that that he is holding those two three dimensional objects. Even it's a cube right. and the, a, the, a, the cube and a sphere. Because uh, have have you considered that the ancient Mayans knew about uh, three dimensional geometry? <laughs> that is, that oh, yeah. is surprising. Well, they knew how to circle the square too. Uh, you know the the Hunapku, and um, if you take a um, if you make a square and you put a, a string in the middle, a, a hole in the middle, and, and tie a string to it, and you circle it out to the edge, and you and you just follow it around and make a square. Like Leonardo da Vinci, you have the uh, the man standing there with his arms out, the five points of man, and he's standing in a circle, and then it's outlined in a in a cube. It's just the same thing, and we find that technology in the lid of Pakal. Not only does it have this controversial uh, carving outside, which looks like Pakal's in a spaceship, uh, inside he's got these these sacred geometry. And it's what, not only what, because I'm I'm more working in the software technology. I was uh, for me it was interesting less than the the sacred symbols, but it's a purely technological symbol that you have so simple uh, three dimensional objects there in the hand in, at a civilization you would not expect that they uh, work into mathematics and uh, uh, especially three dimensional mathematics. That is surprising. Yes. Well, a lot, a lot of their uh, buildings and some of their sculptures have uh, the golden means and sacred geometry embedded in them, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, and uh, my two... hand in the air again. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I got a uh, question. You said which two representations of Lord Pakal are you talking about? I, I'm, I'm confused here because I, I, uh, I have the only color picture of the lid of the sarcophagus that I'm aware of. It was made by someone that was one of the staff that wasn't supposed to be doing this. And they used one of those, uh, what do they call those, those flat scanners, uh, things that are like a wand that you use for like documents and stuff. And they did a full color scan of about three quarters of the lid and the picture on the out, the picture scanned directly off of it, does not precisely match the uh, rubbing, the outline drawing that we're all familiar with, which other people have colored in. But that that's a that's a rubbing of a sculptured lid, and I didn't know there was anything on the other side of the lid. So is that is that what you're saying? Hmm. Oh, so there's, no, a difference. There's, no, there's nothing on the inside of the lid. It's all of the sculpture and the uh, right. All the symbols. And there's no the skeleton inside either. It's, it's, it's well, there, there there was. That's been taken out of there. They, they yeah. found his body was found in there, and he had a jade there's, mask. There's a jade mask of Pakal that was in there. Right, which is famous on its own. Yes, yes, you're yes. absolutely absolutely right about the uh, disappearance. And there was also two uh, stucco or stone. Uh, uh, carvings of his profiled head, his full head, 
uh, there's two of those that yeah, were also I found. I believe that. There. But the I should say that the uh, the color uh, it's a scan. It's a digital full color scan of the outside of the thing there, so it hasn't been meddled with. Uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen color photographs, but I, I don't. I'm not aware of this new scan or anything like that. No, this is well. This was done some years ago. The point is, if you go to take a look at the thing, you only see reproductions. The thing itself is there, but the only thing you can see is the bottom end of the uh, casket. Uh, it's in a slot that's like a map drawer. There's only like three inches clear or four inches clearance above the glass plate that covers the you know that covers the actual thing. Uh, right, and it's it's uh, now it's not going to fade in the sunlight. You know they've already. I mean, there's nothing they did samplings to get. The well, I, I've actually not to brag, but I've actually yes. uh, I have done a whole line drawing of the lid, detailed drawing. It's actually in my first book, the Sedonia Codex, page cool. four is my the lid of Pakal, uh, which I copied from a drawing or a photograph by uh, Merle Green. Is the photograph a, a photograph photograph or a photograph? No, mine mine is a line drawing thing. of her of her of her photograph. So it's Merle an actual Green. it's an actual full scale photograph of the, of it. Exact um, full scale with okay, the two broken black and white? Yeah. Yes. I yes. don't recall if it was black and white or color, but I, I used that to do my my uh, full lid drawing. Uh, we mm. discussed the lid of Pakal extensively in our first book. <clears throat> yeah, but you're here now, and I. Right. <laughs> so, right. but I, I, I haven't seen the, the scanning image that you're talking about. So, okay, I want to jump yeah. in here because we're nearing break, and I'd like to give you the opportunity to complete your images because after break we'll go to another guest. All right. Well, the last thing I'd like to show you is we'll just go above that to image number eleven. Mm -hmm. If everybody clicks on that, all your guests there, and everybody out. The millions of people in the uh, listening audience. Uh, this is the feline eye. Uh, you saw the human eye is very almond-shaped. looks like an eye. It's got the deer at the top as an eyebrow, the deer serpent. Mm -hmm. This is the uh, rectangular shape of the feline eye. You'll see that the eye is actually an image of a serpent head. You see the eye? He's got a little eye there. I, uh, I'm not... Green. Oh, are you saying that the serpent is the serpent looking to the left? The whole is this the eye is a serpent head. Is it a profile looking to the left? Looking to the right. Looking to the right. You see the pink part? Yes. The rose pink. That's the tongue. He's got his tongue sticking out. Really, I'm I'm seeing it just the opposite. I'm seeing him looking to the left. That's really well. That's again called contour rivalry. I I see that also. You see where the eye is though, right? You see the eye. The, well, the crocodile eye, it's up the top. Okay, the eye you're seeing is different than the eye I'm seeing, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like if I were to squint my eyes, it looks so strong like it's looking to the left, like its head is going down, and there's like a little brow with a little dot for the eye, and the, there's the mouth is kind of like a like lizard. Yeah, his mouth would, if I see, I yeah, I see what you're seeing. He more, you can see the, the, the jaw. It, the mm -hmm. mouth is closed, but mm -hmm. the, the way that I look at it, it's the other way. And of course, mm. there's all these two-headed contour rivalry. Uh, this is another common technique of this culture. Uh -huh. And uh, the other side, he has his tongue sticking out. Again, a reference to uh, uh -huh. bloodletting. Uh -huh. uh, but the interesting thing about this whole idea of uh, using a, a head or a, like a serpent head for an eye, this is, again is another motif out of Mesoamerica. You can find a lot of glyphs. I don't have you know, I didn't have enough time to, I was limited to like 11 slides. I have like 35 slides. Uh, oh, goodness. <laughs> to use for this. But uh, there's tons of examples of Maya glyphs, little head glyphs of like a parrot. And his mm -hmm. eye will be the symbol, have a sun symbol as an eye. Uh, there's uh, like a monkey glyph, a little monkey head. And he's got actually an open mouth with fangs for an eye. Uh, there's a sculpture that I show that has a, uh, it's a dog head, part of a, sculpture of a dog and he doesn't have an eye he has a foot for an eye there's a little foot with toes so this whole idea of this this composite art was very common and that's what we're seeing in the uh the feline side here is this serpent eye 
Now, the interesting thing, um, so we can get this finished up, is that why would you have the uh, the Hawk and the Jaguar? Well, uh, figure number eight that I have here, that's from a Maya Codex. This is the uh, Horny Owl and the Jaguar in the Underworld. Uh, the Jaguar and the Owl go into the Underworld. And as you can see, the top of this next to the the roof of this uh, dwelling that they're in in the Underworld, that's a, a death god. That's a, his profiled head with a, a blade tongue sticking out. Do you see the... Uh-huh. You see the profile of the skull? It's a big skull. It's the Death God. So they're both uh, characters that are in the underworld. Uh, you had the Jaguar son. That was the bearded Jaguar was the Jaguar son. And he would, when he was in the top of the sky in the daytime, he was, he was the daytime sun. When the Jaguar mm-hmm. went behind the horizon into the underworld at night, this is the nighttime Jaguar. Oh, okay. Which is connected right. to the owl. Uh, the other thing with, we had the... Um, uh, the jaguar with the the eagle, you know, why do you have those two paired up? Well, those were very common in Aztec culture. You had the uh, the eagle warriors. The the Maya or the Aztec would dress up in eagle uniforms with headdress, and their opponents would dress as jaguars. They were the jaguar warriors and the eagle warriors. So again, we have oh. mythology from Mesoamerica that put these two comparisons of these two. Companions Thank together. you, George. Thank you, George. It's time for us to go to break. You're listening oh, I have to so the... much more. I Come know. On. <laughs> I tell you what, if we get through other people's items, then we can come back to yours. But oh, I'm I want to be fair to everyone. <laughs> I'm probably going to be going to bed. Okay, you're yeah, listening to having me on. Welcome. Uh, I hope. Hey, wait a minute. Hang on, hang on. I need to take us out. (laughs) You're listening to The Other Side of Midnight. We've had a very lively conversation with George Haas, and it was joined in with Ron Gerban and Holger Eisenberg. And we will return after the break. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. <laughs>